So I feel like it's a place away from home because we know we can come to El Centro with people like us and we're safe there. El Colectivo Raíces presenta su programa Espejos de Aztlán Información, Arte, Cultura Bienvenidos Buenas tardes, Nuevo México. Mi nombre es Rafael Martinez, and I am your Espejos de Aslan host for tonight's show. Joining me in the production of tonight's show is fellow Humans of New Mexico collective member, Frolan Orozco. The voice that you heard at the beginning of our program is of Sonia Ramirez, one of the five guests we will have for tonight's show. Our five guests are joining us from El Centro de la Raza at the University of New Mexico. El Centro de la Raza is one of the ethnic student resource centers at UNM that is celebrating its 50th year anniversary this spring 2019 semester. Thus, the name of tonight's program, 50 Years of Raza at UNM. For tonight's show, we will be going over a brief history of El Centro's development over these last 50 years, some of the center's milestones, leadership, and the purpose of building familia in today's campus climate. In March, we celebrate Women's International Month, and you will notice that all of tonight's guests are self-identified, resilient, and strong women who speak on the legacy of building community as Chicanex, Latinx, Mexicana, and Nova Mexicana women. In this first segment, Rosa Isela Cervantes, El Centro de la Raza's director, talks to us about the history of the center at UNM. Escuchemos. El Centro has gone through three name changes. It first originated out of Chicano and Chicana Studies through this need of seeing, like, we have this academic program and we have students here on campus, but we don't really have support, like, outside where we can gather, where we can gain. So we had different students that gathered, one of them being now a professor emeritus, Felipe Gonzalez, and he helped write that first proposal for Chicano and Chicana Studies and then for, they called it Chicano Student Services at the time. In the 80s, they changed the name to Hispanic Student Services. And then in the 90s, when I was a student, we really felt like we needed to do a name change to really be more encompassing of the community that we were outreaching to and the community that was gathered at El Centro. And we already called the center El Centro. We already, we'd be like, where am I going to meet you? I'm going to meet you at El Centro. Okay, I'll see you at El Centro. So we were already calling it El Centro, and we went through this rigorous, we had like 30 names picked out. You could imagine anything under the sun. And we w did voting. We even stood out in front of Mitchell Hall and at the sub and had people vote on the name. And then we eventually named it El Centro de la Raza in 1995, which consequently was the same year that we got funding from the 1994 state legislature. And we got funding to expand our physical space as well as hire three full-time professional staff. At the time, we had a director and an admin and a couple of work studies. This allowed us to hire three staff members. And also, at some point, we were able to have up to like 15 undergraduate students doing work, doing mentoring, doing some of the work that our SSLs do now. And so that was really a turning point for El Centro, and it changed, I think, kind of our trajectory of where we moved forward from there. Centros had, if I believe my history correctly, five directors. The first two were men, and the last three have been women, including myself. And so the last, what would we say, 30, wow, actually more like closer to 40 years, we've had women in as directors of El Centro. What that's allowed us to do is to bring in that nurturing piece that I think a lot of our students are looking for. Not to say that men can't be nurturers. They can, absolutely, and, and that's what we 
hold a standard and expect of our men today, I think more so than we did, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But I think that having that kind of female touch has given us the opportunity to really create a home away from home. Again, it's been a community project, but I think having women in leadership positions bring in that authoritative female voice has been in some ways two for one, if you will, because it's not only about the authority of understanding our Latino and Chicano communities and bringing in that wealth of knowledge and what it is that our, our students need, but also the female perspective and recognizing that women still have a tough time in higher education and how do we do that? And then also thinking even though I'm not as a mom, but also thinking as a parent would, recognizing that our young men are falling behind and that we have to lift them up and that as mujeres, we can think of all those things, right? We're always thinking very globally. It's not just about like, we got to get this one thing done. It's about how I'm going to get these 10 things done because they're all equally important. So just as important as it is to create space for our Latinas in STEM, for example, it's super important to create opportunities for our young men who want to be a teacher or a nurse or whatever it is, right, but are really falling off kind of higher education and how do we uplift them. And so I think as having women in the last three positions has really been amazing. The fact that there's been so much transformation at El Centro, but also in the institution in many ways because of the work that we do. After taking a journey across a brief history of El Centro de la Raza, la directora Rosa Isela Cervantes also highlights the legacy of women directoras at El Centro de la Raza. With that powerful intro to El Centro, nuestras cinco invitadas introducirán. Let's listen to our five guests introduce themselves. My name is Rosa Isela Cervantes. I'm the director of El Centro de la Raza at the University of New Mexico and also the special advisor to the president on Latino Affairs. Hi, I'm Sonia Ramirez, and I'm a student success leader at El Centro de la Raza, and I'm a third-year student at UNM. Hello, I'm Noemi Gutierrez. I serve as a supervisor of admin support at El Centro. I've been there for four years, and I was born in Farmington, raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hola a todos, mi nombre es Yesenia Ruiz. I am a student program specialist for El Centro de la Raza. I've been involved with El Centro since 2007 as an undergrad. I was born in Zacatecas, Mexico, but raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hola a todos, mi nombre es Elizabeth Ruiz. I am a student success leader at El Centro de la Raza, and I am a third-year student at UNM. very first time I went to El Centro, I believe I was in elementary, and I went with my older sister, Yesenia. So my involvement with El Centro for the first time was in 2007 through their Summer Bridge program, and that's where I met a lot of my undergraduate colleagues that I still see today. The first time I was introduced to El Centro was through study sessions. My sister would go study Wednesday nights. She's taking a lot of biology classes, so she definitely needed it. So it was my freshman year of college, and I still didn't have a place to go home, like a place that I would go to. And I felt just so welcomed. I remember everybody sitting in the conference room. I remember them saying, like, oh, grab snacks, like, hasta en tu casa. And I grabbed some coffee, and they had, like, the Japanese peanuts that I love, and I did not expect to see them there. So I kept coming back for the peanuts, and <laughs> and eventually I came back through the mentorship dinner, which I found out about El Puente and research opportunities, and I just felt like El Centro would call me, like I belong there. 
After learning a little bit more about our guest tonight, I decided to take a step back and let the free-flow conversation between Las Mujeres del Centro de la Raza. They talk through the importance of being leaders in El Campus de UNM and having each other as a support system while building familia at El Centro de la Raza. Escuchemos. So I think that I'm very blessed that I get to work with all of the four of you that are here and all the other women, as long as, as well as our men, right? I think we have some strong men in our office that really support us as women, and they're really good about saying, you know, we have these strong Latinas, these strong mujeres, and so they, they support us and they uplift us, but I think we also uplift each other, and I think knowing that there are challenges to being a woman in a large campus, talking about things such as like safety. I think also just being that voice, oftentimes I still find myself on campus in meetings where I'm one of the only females as an administrator. And there's a lot of female administrators, don't get me wrong. You know, I have who I consider my counterpart in the academic side, right? Dr. Yudea Damascus and Chicano and Chicana Studies. But I think like in a lot of spaces, we may not even see each other. It's still very hard and challenging to find not only other women, but other Latinas in leadership positions. And I think that's one of the things that on a daily I, I think about and, I, and I'm very grateful that I have this community that I get to go to at El Centro with the strong women that I get to work with. I think about how lucky me and Sonia as well as the other girls at El Centro are to like work at a place where we do have like powerful women, right? We have you three ladies as well as the Alex and Armando and Jorge, and I think, I think the reason why we be, like we've all become really close, especially like us, is because we can have those real conversations. Which each and one of you guys, of course, because my sister, you know, like we're sisters, so we talk about very deep stuff. But you know, even her being like in the position that she is, like I think it's amazing, and and the work that she does is super amazing and powerful. And even with Naomi, like we have conversations about everything. And it's, we truly, like, treat each other like we're family. And Rosa, like, nos dan nuestras regañadas. But at the end of the day, and we always say it, Rosa, at the end of the day, like, we're always like, man, she yelled at me. She told me this. Or, you know, she, we could tell that she's angry at us. But at the end of the day, we always say she does it out of good heart. Like, we always say it. And Sonia can attest to it. We always say, like, she... She, she means no harm. She does it because she, like, really cares about us. It's worse if I'm quiet. <laughs> <laughs> She's giving me a death stare. <laughs> but, no, really, I think it's, 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 it's amazing. And I'm, I'm realizing that now, like, how, like, impactful it is to be surrounded, like, by powerful women. Yeah, and I have to agree with Betty. <laughs> I feel like I feel really lucky to have strong women as role models mm-hmm. in academia, especially, because I feel like we can go up to them for any question and I feel like their personalities together mesh well and for example my interest in my career go along with Yesenia so I am able to go to her for mentorship and she's able to give me like what she's experienced but then I also can go to Noemi and she tells me what she's experienced and I talk to Rosa she just puts a cherry on top and it's like (laughs) I get a whole different perspective and they've all been in different places and they've all had different careers so I think that we are really lucky to have a community of women helping each other and I think the thing too is that like even you guys I noticed that you guys can like talk to us about it too even if it's just like a little thing like it kind of just lets us know that like you guys are real and you guys also have these struggles that you guys go through and so I think that makes it makes us even more closer and, and more impactful in a way I feel. I think I get as much from you all as students and as, as I do from the, my fellow coworkers, right? Because I think that as students, you bring in a different perspective and you'll be like, oh, this is happening. I'm like, I would have never thought of that or I didn't know this was happening. And so you guys, you all strengthen us 
right, as students. And then when I see you all supporting each other, it just does something for me because I think it's like, oh, that's what we're here for. And it reminds me, right? So for me, it's also remember that we, we are in a space where it's more than a job. It's really a commitment to our gente, to our comunidad, our familia. And I think that those are the things. So I love having conversations with all of you. And I think I think the other day, you know, me and Yesenia and I had this huge conversation about just health and well-being in our family. And we started talking about something completely different. And that's where we ended. And that's what we needed that day to get through the day as we, you know, sometimes we're stressed. Sometimes we're going through different things or I'm running from meeting to meeting and I come back to the office and a student, you know, one of you all will be like, hey, you're, you're OK, you're good. You know, and I think those are important moments to recognize and to really understand that as women at the university, it is tough sometimes because while we make up more, almost the majority at the University of New Mexico, but there's still this kind of hidden background kind of uh, thought process that a higher education is still for men only. It's a community. We can also live very strongly in who we are as mujeres, ¿verdad? Good afternoon, Nuevo Mexico. Welcome back to your Espejos de Aztlán show. I am your host, Rafael Martinez, and I am joined in the production of tonight's show by Froilán Orozco. For tonight's show, we are joined by our guest from El Centro de la Raza, who is celebrating its 50th year anniversary. En celebrando 50 años de raza en el campus de UNM, nuestros invitados van a hablar de la identidad. Many times as first-generation students, students arrive to a campus like the University of New Mexico, feeling that they don't see themselves reflected in the culture of the institution. For this next segment, our guests talk about the importance of their identity. I think that one of the things that El Centro does really well is to look at the community in New Mexico and honor that community. And we have students from all over Latino America that come to El Centro, all over the country. What's important is we often tell students, I'm going to tell you about myself as a way for you to get to know me and as an invitation to be your whole self, right? And so I identify as Nuevo Mexicana, as Mexican-American without the dash, right, without the hyphen, because I really grew up in both cultures. I was able to see with my dad's side of the family that strong Mexican culture and everything that that was, and with my mom's side of the family that strong new Mexican culture. And so I really feel like I've been blessed with having this amazing opportunity to understand all the things that I am in all of those contexts. And so that's why I, I choose to identify as Nuevo Mexicana and Mexican-American. I think for me, it was always a difficult question, especially like in high school. I remember talking to my sister and asking her like, well, what am I, you know? Because I remember I would say que era Mexicana, but at the same time I would get people who tell me I wasn't because I was born here. And so, but I didn't consider myself American either. And I just remember, like, during that whole process, when I would go to El Centro, like, a lot, I would do my homework there as a high school student. And I would have these conversations with my sister. And she would just basically tell me, you are who you are and who you want to be. And so I remember that day specifically. And since then, I've always, you know, I consider myself to be Mexicana. I think our identities, something that we're always, they're always changing. As we get older and we learn new things, we create new identities. Our identities flourish more, you know, some parts perhaps disappear because we don't associate with that anymore or we've outgrown it. But it, it's always changing. And, and for me, I identify as Mexicana, Mexican-American, and Latina. Mexicana because 
I was born in Mexico, and I'm, that's something that I'm very proud of. And it's also a way of me paying thanks to my parents and from where they're from, right? And me embracing culture, cultura, mi lenguaje, tradiciones, mi familia, the land that they were from, right? And it's also paying respects to the sacrifice they made to leave their land to come to the U.S. for a better future for their family. And that family was us, their children, right? So when I say Mexicana, it's um, validating them. It's it's telling them, you know, thank you. I was always confused in some ways. Spanish was my first language up until, you know, I was seven years old. And I think they wanted to flunk me in first grade because I couldn't read. And so it's because I didn't know English. So I had to get like a tutor. And I remember her, Annie, she always, you know, would, would come to my house in the evenings and on the weekends to help me learn English because she's like, I know she's, we can't hold her back. It's just the language barrier. But I've always said I'm Mexican because both of my parents are from Mexico. But I've had a lot of people tell me, no, you're Chicana. You know, your parents were born there, were born in Mexico, but you were born in, in America. So, so you're a Chicana. And so, you know, I would be like, well, I don't know. Like, what am I? But I, I feel now, you know, soy Mexicana. And I tell that to my kids as well. I think another thing that I want to share is like my name. You know, I've always, all my life growing up, I would always say my name was Naomi because it was easier for everybody. And even in, in school, like I would kind of get anxiety or I already knew when they were going to call my name because, you know, they would kind of look at the paper and be like, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but Naomi? And I'd be like, that's fine, you know. And I think not until coming to work with HEP and, and kind of meeting Rosa, she's like, is it Naomi or is it Noemi? And I'm like, well, it's Noemi, but I say Naomi. No, she would be like, it's Noemi. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. So now it's Noemi. It's not Naomi. So when people say that, I always correct him. I fully identify as Mexican-American for a while because I didn't have individuals in my life to talk about, like, what am I? And I didn't feel safe to ask those questions. So I feel like El Centro really got me out of that shell because I was able to talk my language, which I had not experienced before. And that's why I like identifying as Mexican-American because it's a way to honor my mom and the sacrifices she's had to do to be in this country and to stay here. And I see her studying hard going back to college, and that makes me so proud to be her daughter. And I feel like Mexican-American really identifies both because I wasn't born in Mexico, but when my mom got sent back to Mexico, I did. I started school there. And when I came here, I had to learn the new language. So I feel like El Centro really helped me be comfortable with speaking Spanish and being proud of that, not feeling like I should be punished for it, you know, and seeing how they accepted my sister too. I saw all the discrimination my sister had to go through because she was brown. I remember feeling lucky to look white because I could blend in and having to stand up for my sister because I did have that privilege to be light complected. So I like to identify as Mexican-American because I am proud to be Mexican. Mexicana hermosa, bandera latina, no te pongas triste, solo mire el cielo. Si la noche se cubre de estrellas, y a nosotros pasamos el duelo.
Those were very powerful words on the impact that El Centro de la Raza has had on our students and the way that they could feel welcome at the University of New Mexico. From these deep conversations, we pass to a much lighter side of El Centro and what I would like to call Sounds of El Centro. Based on a conversation with our guest, asking them, what can people hear when they step foot inside of El Centro de la Raza? Escuchemos. Risas. Do you want some coffee? Gangsta talk. Tupac Shakur. <laughs> Country music. Ariel Camacho. <laughs> Reggaeton. Señoras y señores. Bienvenidos al party. Cumbias. <laughs> The printer going off <laughs> all the time. The printer's just always going right. Um, you'll hear the phone multiple times. You can hear Rosa Yelly. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Can you Can you please edit that part? <laughs> Yelling, Junior, Junior, Betty, Sonia, somebody help! <laughs> Hablando español. Hablando español. Code oh. switching. Code switching. English. Hay comida. French sometimes. Oh, si hay comida, siempre la pregunta. Hay comida. comida gratis. <laughs> Mitote. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. You're I not think. kidding. Or a lot of people always tell me that it sounds like we're always having a party. Que siempre hay una fiesta. Yeah. <laughs> I think we also have like, real conversations, yes. though. Sometimes it gets really deep yeah. about everything. Yeah. A veces lloramos. I mean, we've had really heavy conversations, like with Cafecitos con Rosa. I mean, mm -hmm. we've talked about suicide and sexuality, mm -hmm. and it's in English and Spanish, or, or sometimes we're talking about just everyday life. If you go to our center, you're going to see all of, like, the SSL and the professional staff faces pasted everywhere in the center. <laughs> There's always, like, some type of joke Of every size. Of every size. They're literally in the fridge, in the corner of Rosa's <laughs> office, some that she doesn't even know exist. I've been Under my mouse. <laughs> Under... <laughs> Your mouse didn't work one day, huh? Yeah, and I was it like, was... what's going on? And then I was like, is it off? And I turned it over, and I think it was Aaron's picture. And I was like, whoa, what happened? Um, yeah. Now we have a picture of the office, the office. in the office. <laughs> That's an ongoing joke that we are the office. Yeah, I asked, why is that up there? And they're like, because of the office. And I'm like, um, what about it? <laughs> they all laughed at my expense. We also just, you might hear kids. On yeah. Tuesday, we had 140 mil middle schoolers, <laughs> and I took about 50 of them over to El Centro. And they, I said, go check out the bulletin boards, go see what you have, and go see what we have. And they, of course, asked about, why are there condoms at the front desk? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh, um, the, our health center wants our students to be safe. And so you might walk into that conversation, right? Or you might walk into a conversation where... Somebody, you can just tell that they're frustrated. That sometimes I walk in and I just, I see the conversation happening like with somebody that's come up to the front desk and our SSLs are helping them and you could just hear the frustration in their voice. And you also kind of feel and hear the exhale when we're like, don't worry, we're, we're going to get you where you need to be. Because if they come to El Centro, that's for sure. You will not just be sent somewhere else. We're going to help you find where you need to be and help to figure it out.
Después de escuchar los sonidos del centro, or the sounds that you often hear at el centro, we're going to move on to the next 50 years of raza at UNM. Escuchemos. Well, in the next 50 years that I hope that we can really understand education and what it means in people's lives and that we're able to not just enroll students at UNM, not just enroll Latino students and be a Hispanic-serving institution in that way, but that our students are graduating, that they're completing their degree and going back to their families and communities to serve. For El Centro and the university, I the next 50 years, I would just like to see continuance of what we're doing now. I mean, I, I guess I could say El Centro on steroids. And I think that the work that we're doing now definitely transfers to our students and they're the next generations. Our kids are the, the next generations. Their kids will be ne the next generations. And I think we, we are the agents of change. And I think the sky's the limit. We can do a lot in, for the New Mexican communities. And I think it starts, it starts with us. In 50 years, I want to see more growth and opportunities for our students. I think in the next 50 years, as far as El Centro, I will be director. Just kidding. <laughs> El centro es el futuro. El centro es una familia. El centro es familia. El centro para mí es movimiento. El centro es amor, apoyo y paciencia. Lo único que me queda decir es agradecer y dar las gracias a todos esos que Lucharon antes de nosotros, ¿verdad? All the folks that came before us. I stand on the shoulders of giants. We wouldn't be here today if we didn't have those that fought before us that really worked to open up the spaces in higher education in the state of New Mexico that really pushed and challenged the systems in the 60s and really thought about it's important to recognize our culture and who we are and nuestra lengua. And if they hadn't done that and continued to do that throughout all the years, we wouldn't be here today. And so I just want to say gracias. We would like to thank you for joining us in tonight's Espejos de Aslan show. We would also like to thank our guests for joining us today from El Centro de la Raza as they celebrate their 50th anniversary. El Centro de la Raza will be celebrating its 50th anniversary by hosting a scholarship fundraiser on Friday, March 22nd. For more information on that event, go to elcentro.unm.edu. Tonight's show was contributed and developed by the Oral History Collective of Humans of New Mexico, who aims to capture stories of everyday Novo Mexicanos. For more stories like this one and others, visit www.humansofnewmexico.com. You can also find our stories across social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Humans of New Mexico. Also, visit our two-week archive on KUNM.org to hear this program and many other Espejos Aslan programs. You can also find the Espejos Aslan shows on Apple Podcasts. Remember to subscribe and rate us so that other friends could find us. I have been your host, Rafael Martinez, and joining me in the production of today's show is Froilan Orozco. Stay tuned for your Raices show up next, who will also be celebrating Women's International Month. Escuchemos. Mm -hmm.